remain standing for the reading of the word. Am I on here? I have a fresh battery, I hope. <laughs> um, I want to remind you of the water baptism tonight at 6 o'clock, the very beginning of the service, and next Sunday night. You need to be here at 5.30, right over here to my left. And I just want to say thank you for those people who've been praying because God answered your prayer. Last night was an incredible time of prayer at 6 o'clock under the direction of the young adults. Next Saturday night will be under the direction of the senior citizens. Brother Pettibone will be back, and we're looking forward to that time of prayer right here in this room, 6 o'clock next Saturday. Tonight also will feature some very special music. All the summer, we've asked Sister Rebecca to come up with evangelistic camp meeting revival type music and uh, well we know what's going to happen next Sunday when Jim Rayler's here so enough said about that but tonight the Simmons Quartet will be back and we'll be enjoying their music tonight so uh, look forward to that in anticipation from the 15th chapter of the book of Matthew verse 25 and from the book of Genesis chapter 2 and verse 24 you will not need to turn to the passage in Genesis. You know it by heart. Matthew chapter 15 and verse 25. Then came she and worshipped him, saying, Lord, help me. Everyone repeat that. Lord, help me. Come on. Lord, help me. Now from Genesis chapter 2 and verse 24, therefore shall a man leave his father and mother and shall cleave unto his wife and they shall be one flesh. You may be seated. In the past two weeks, I've preached two messages and we're packaging those with this message today in an album that will be offered for a very special price three CDs for $15 or three DVDs for $30. I'm not sure what the price for cassette tapes are. But all the sermons are there, the three sermons and today's message, Lord help me. The first sermon was entitled, Bless Me, O Lord. We prayed that prayer. Can we pray it again now? Bless me, O Lord. The second was entitled, Hear me, O Lord. Hear me. A subtitle for that sermon was, Let the Fire Fall. Pray that prayer with me. Hear me, O Lord, hear me. And today's sermon is, Lord, help me. I have a subtopic also, forsaking, cleaving, enduring. Forsaking, cleaving, enduring. Pray that prayer with me. Lord, help me. Oh, come on, you're not that timid. Lord, help me. If you really need God to help you, pray that prayer. Lord, help me. If you don't realize it now, you will later. You better learn to pray that prayer. It's the desperate cry of a desperate woman recorded here in Matthew chapter 15. The entire passage in chapter 15 begins with verse 22, and I want to read it for you. And behold, a woman of Canaan came out of the same coast and cried unto him, saying, have mercy on me, O Lord, thou son of David. My daughter is grievously vexed with a devil. But he answered her not a word. And his disciples came and besought him, saying, Send her away, for she crieth after us. 
But he answered and said, I am not sent but unto the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Then came she and worshipped him, saying, Lord, help me. Everybody pray that prayer again. Lord, help me. But he answered and said, It is not meet to take the children's bread and cast it to the dogs. And she said, Truth, Lord. Yet the dogs eat of the crumbs which fall from the master's table. Then Jesus answered and said unto her, O woman, great is thy faith. Be it unto thee even as thou wilt. And her daughter was made whole from that very hour. Praise be unto the mighty God. A desperate cry from a desperate mother. Well, this is Father's Day. But this cry represents the cry of the family. When we're hurting, when a member of the family is in trouble, we must learn to depend on God. We must go to God because He alone can solve problems that there's no other solution for. Now, her daughter was grievously vexed with a devil. That's a pretty serious diagnosis, isn't it? We do not know what kind of evil manifestations accompanied this demon possession and vexation. We only know that she was grievously vexed. In your dictionary, the word vexed means harassed, afflicted, disturbed, and agitated. Now, I know some people like that, but I wouldn't say they're grievously vexed by the devil. <laughs> but I will say the devil is behind a lot of problems that we blame on other people or refuse to take blame for ourselves. I'll tell you, the devil made people do a lot of things. It doesn't make them do everything. You can say the devil made me do it, but that's not always true. But in the cases where the devil has gained control of the mind and the body, it's a grievous thing. And therefore, they're vexed, they're afflicted, they're disturbed, they're agitated. In another place in the Bible, in the book of Mark, chapter 9, verse 26, a man brought his son to Jesus. He was described as being lunatic. His son fell on the ground and wallowed, foaming when the evil spirits would agitate him. The spirit tear him or tore him. And oftentimes it would cast him into the fire and into the water in an attempt to destroy this child. And so the man came to Jesus and said, I need a miracle. Your disciples couldn't cast him out, but Jesus set him free that day. This woman was a Gentile. She was not a Jew. She was a Greek, a Syrophoenician by nation, as we're told in Mark chapter 7 and verse 26. Normally, a Gentile woman would not come up to a Jewish rabbi and have any kind of conversation. Normally a woman, period, would not come up to a Jewish rabbi and begin to plead her case. The culture was very rigid in their demands that women keep their distance, especially if she were a Gentile. And so here she is crying out, Lord, help me, because she was desperate. A woman seeking help from a Jew. Dad and mom, single adult, young person, whoever you are, if people curse you, if people make fun of you, if they restrain you, if they try to interfere with you from calling on God, push them aside. If they say you're a wimp, if they say you're weak, cry out, Lord, help me. Let me hear you cry it out.
Lord, help me. There's a time for us to overcome whatever resistance might be there and have courage. Stand up. Men on Father's Day, show the manhood that God has given to you and cry on God for help. It is not sissy. It is not being a wimp. It's acknowledging that God made us and he alone can use us and anoint us and empower us and assist us in areas that we're not capable of taking care of ourselves. You know what the disciples, you know what the church crowd said to this woman and said to Jesus? Send her away because she's crying after us. It's sad, but in church, people can be very unkind. People can say some hurtful things. And they can actually stand in the way of people getting a miracle. And people need to be encouraged by the church. They don't need to be put down. They don't need to be held at arm's length and pushed away. The disciples said, push her away, push her away. She's crying after us. This is not kosher. This is not proper. And sometimes people are so hurt and wounded in church because of things that are said, things that are done, and attitudes that are manifested or exhibited. May God grant that your smile and that your face and your countenance always reflect the love of God, the concern of a Christian, the compassion of somebody that really cares, that has time, that will take time, that will be there and will not push people away. Push her away. We've got other things to attend to, other people's needs to meet. Jesus said, it is not meat to take the children's bread and cast it to dogs. The woman, taken aback by this statement, said, Truth, Lord, I know that. I understand that. I, I know I'm a Gentile, and Gentiles don't have much to do with the Jews, for the Jews think we're dogs. And I understand that, but, she said, yet the dogs eat of the crumbs that fall from the master's table. The little puppies gather under the table and crumbs are fed to them from the table of the master. Jesus said, Woman, great is thy faith. Be it unto thee as thou wilt. You want to get your prayers answered? Have faith. In spite of what people say, in spite of what's going on around you and the turmoil and the confusion and the things that people are saying, have faith. God sees you as an individual. He picked her out of the crowd. And he says, I've got time. This woman's got faith. And her daughter was made whole from that very hour. Did you get that? She was vexed with the devil. She was uncontrollable. She was out of control, raging, foaming likely. I don't know what all manifestations may have been attended with this state that she was in. But she was made whole from that very hour. Can you give the Lord a praise offering? for setting people free, for making people whole. God will not turn his head. God will never say no to your cry. I want us to cry out, Lord, help me. Everyone together. Lord, help me. Pray it again. Lord, help me. One more time. Lord, help me. This could be your hour. This could be the day. God heard the intensity of that cry, a very intense cry with a woman who was desperately in need 
and a desperate cry. Dad, it's Father's Day, of course. I don't need to tell you that, but it's time for us to renew our covenant as fathers. Back in the book of Genesis, I read to you from the book of Genesis chapter 2 and verse 24. Therefore shall a man leave his father and mother and shall cleave unto his wife and they shall be one flesh. It's not only Father's Day, it's a family day. My wife has been kind enough to open our home and she's been working hard for two or three days, cleaning everything. I mean, you'd think the governor was coming. And, but of course, the most important people on the face of this earth are coming, our family. And so, and cooking, cooking, cooking. I insisted that some of the food be brought from uh, Bono's. <laughs> Little help there. Amen. Sympathy of a father on Father's Day. <laughs> it's a family day. It's not just Dad's Day. It's a family day. But Dad, we honor you. We pray for you. We support you. And we want you to understand that we know how valuable you are in the community, in our nation, in the church, and in our family. In the Bible, Proverbs chapter 4 and verse 12, one verse that you probably quote, you may not remember the reference. A threefold cord is not easily broken, quickly broken. Everybody say that together. A threefold cord is not quickly broken. One more time. A threefold cord is not quickly broken. The threefold cord that makes families strong is a covenant blessing on the family that comes from Genesis chapter 2 and verse 24. It's leaving, cleaving, and enduring. Leaving father and mother, cleaving to our companion to become one flesh, enduring and a lasting marriage because of the covenant that we made in the presence of God. Let's talk about leaving for a moment. It's, it's part of the threefold cord. It's the first strand. It's the engagement of the couple when they decide that it's time to get married. The guy gets down on his knee, and I mean, he humbles himself. He acts like she's the queen, and he's just a servant, and so he's begging, and so he gets down on his knee, and he acts very romantic. I mean, this is tough for some guys. And he pops the question. This is the big moment. Big, big moment. Now, it's not like passing notes in church while the preacher's preaching. I mean, you don't, you don't propose marriage during the sermon. That's not very romantic. Maybe that's not what that note was I saw going across the aisle there. I mean, it's not like while you're eating a hamburger at Burger King, you propose to get marriage. It's not with an email, cold, hard, not even know if there's any romance involved proposing marriage or a phone call. He says, darling, I love you. I really, really love you. You're the greatest. You're beautiful. I want to spend the rest of my life with you. I know you tough guys have a hard time remembering how mellow and how romantic you used to be. It wouldn't hurt to practice a little bit of it now. 
<laughs> All right. Her answer is with measured caution. Wow. This is sudden, as if she didn't expect it and wasn't waiting for it. Let me think about it a little while. You take my breath away. How will you support me? <laughs> then he pulls out the little box and he opens it. And bright lights begin to dazzle and he puts that ring on her finger and she quickly answers, yes, what are we waiting for? <laughs> Dad, this is family day. Your covenant involves being willing to give all, to forsake everything in your past. No one on the face of this earth is as important to you as this person that you are now married to. It's family day. Forsaking all others, parents, friends, other relatives, employees at the job, doesn't matter. Forsaking everything. It's the same thing about following Jesus. You've got to be willing to give it up to follow him. If we're not willing to forsake everything and take up our cross and follow him, we're not worthy of him. We cannot be his disciple. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 16 and verse 24, then said Jesus unto his disciples, if any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Well, I tell you, it's time for us to pray, Lord, help me again, everybody. Lord, help me, because there are some things we're trying to hold on to. We have not left everything that we made a commitment for. We're not keeping our covenant as indeed we should. We have a selfish streak that interferes with marital bliss and harmony in the home and family. And we made a covenant that we would leave everything, that we'd leave people, we'd leave things, nothing else would matter. We've got to be that way about being a Christian. Nothing else can be our God. Nothing else can control us. Jesus, I will follow you. Where he leads, I will follow Two weeks ago today, I preached the message that I gave to you an illustration of Jacob crying out to God for the Lord's help. And I asked you to pray a prayer that God would deliver us from the Esau accounts. Two weeks have passed, and there's some Esau accounts still outstanding. Some people have not asked forgiveness and some people have not confessed any wrongdoing or even they're waiting for the other party to make the move first. Maybe we had buried the hatchet, but we went back and we dug it up, and today we have the hatchet ready to split their head open with. <laughs> Maybe not quite that serious. <laughs> but there's some unsettled issues, things that have not been resolved. People are not speaking. People have broken long-standing uh, friendships and allowed jealousy and envy and strife and malice to take away that beautiful relationship that used to exist. It may be in the marriage. It may be in other family members. It might be in the neighborhood or in the, in the workplace. It could even be a church. It could be that sitting across this room from you, 
there's a person that you make every effort to avoid and you'll walk out a different side of the church just so you won't pass them on the way out. You don't want to shake hands. You don't want to acknowledge them whatsoever. There's some unsettled issues. I gave you a scripture that said, if I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear my prayers. Your prayers are going to bounce back in your face. They'll rise no higher than your head. They'll bounce back off the ceiling. And you're going to find yourself facing a crisis and you can't get anywhere and God won't help you because you've got unsettled things. The Esau, Esau account is still there and you have not resolved as Jacob had to do. He had to come home and face his blind and aged father and say, I lied to you, Dad. I deceived you and I stole my brother's birthright and his blessing. I'm sorry. I confess it. I'm wrong. But more than that, he had to face Esau who was coming to meet him. With 400 armed men, they were not coming for a picnic. <laughs> they were not coming to pass the time of day and to welcome Jacob home. Esau still wanted to take vengeance on Jacob for stealing and lying and cheating him out of his birthright and his blessing. So no wonder Jacob was praying earnestly as he sought the Lord. It's time for us today on this Dad's Day to settle some issues. I'm reading to you from Matthew chapter 3, verses 11 through 12 about burning the chaff and the stubble. You know when you go out and you harvest a field, back behind the combine, there's stubble. Whether it be corn or grain, it doesn't matter. There's stubble left behind the combine. And it's an ugly field. It's not like the beautiful fields of grain waiting to be harvested that the artists draw. But here's the stubble. It's like that in our life. As we enjoy blessings, there's some stubble that still needs to be plowed under. Some farmers burn the fields and then they plow it under and let it lie fallow until seed time when they will cultivate and plant the seed. And the stubble interferes with the beauty and the meaning of that farm and the acres and acres of land that produces the golden grain. And there's nothing but stubble there. Jesus talked about burning the chaff and the stubble. I indeed baptize you with water unto repentance, but he that cometh after me is mightier than I, whose shoes I am not worthy to bear. He shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire, whose fan is in his hand. He will thoroughly purge his floor and gather his wheat into the garner. He will burn up the chaff with unquenchable fire. So the unquenchable fire burns up the chaff. When God turns up the heat, brother, sister, when God begins to burn our fields, then we will settle the Esau accounts. When we find ourselves coming up short, when we find ourselves helpless in a situation that it take a miracle to extract us from, then we'll settle the Esau accounts. We'll go and ask forgiveness. Seventy times seven. Innumerable number of times. We'll do it because we want God to answer our prayer. And our fields are burning. God's turning up the heat. Unquenchable fire is melting the dross and separating it from the silver and the gold. And those precious metals will gleam in the sunlight when the fire is turned up and the dross is separated 
and shuffled off to one side and skimmed off. It's the scum. The scum in our life. It's nothing, there's nothing beautiful about the scum or about the stubble. It needs to come out. I'm talking to you from a text where Jesus cast the devil out of a daughter that was vexed by an unclean spirit. It's not the Holy Ghost that put that dross in your life. It's not the Holy Ghost that put the stubble there that makes ugly retorts and conversation and gossipy uh, words telling other people about somebody else's problem. You know, I, I think that backbiting and gossip and tail-bearing never should enter into the life of a Christian. Never should enter into a Christian body. You say, boy, the pastor must be getting on us. He's skinning us. Edith Fiverr said, it's all right to skin the sheep once in a while, but don't rub the salt in. But I learned a long time ago, you can shear the sheep often, but you can only skin them once. And so I'm not skinning you. I'm just shearing you. <laughs> I just want to get the, the chaff and the dross so that God can allow his blessings to flow. We were praying for the Holy Spirit to be outpoured on us. Not going to happen. Not going to happen until you settle those Esau accounts. It'll happen to others around you. It's not going to stop the church. Oh, no, you, you will never wreck this church. There's no one will ever wreck this church. You may wreck your own spiritual journey, but you're not going to wreck the church of the Lord Jesus. Jesus said, Woo! I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. <laughs> We're making a covenant. I have some guys that are going to help me. Christian Brown and Chris Aramabo. Take your places, guys. You know, one of the things about settling the Esau accounts is that we've got to learn to serve one another. We've got to learn to humble ourselves and acknowledge that we need one another, that we love one another. It's not hypocrisy. It's true love. When you t Jesus took the basin of water and poured it on his disciples' feet, and then he took the towel and he wiped them. He said, if I have done this, you ought to wash one another's feet. You ought to settle the Esau accounts. You ought to get rid of the stubble. You should allow love to prevail. There should be brotherliness, kindness, and love, and forgiveness, and reconciliation. God, deliver us. God, deliver us from being arrogant and proud as if we are better than someone else. We need each other. Thank you, guys. Give them a good hand. Jesus said you ought to wash one another's feet. I've given you an example that you should do as I have done to you. It's all about unselfishness. It's all about commitment. It's all about covenant. The second part of my message has to do with clinging. Therefore shall a man leave, that's leaving, his father and mother, and he shall cleave unto his wife. Oh, clinging, cleaving. It's the joining of two lives together in one flesh. Impossible for any mortal being to do that, but God can do it. He can make two become one. Now, some people tried clinging before marriage, 
And I'm not advocating that. I'm telling you, you need to wait until after marriage to have sex. Sex is a beautiful and meaningful expression of love. However, outside of marriage, it's nothing but lust. It's untamed, base, animal-like behavior when people engage in sex with people they're not married to. And so I mean one man, one woman, too. Amen. It should be with commitment. It should be with enduring love that will last forever till death be us part, do us part. Young ladies, let me tell you something. Let me give you some advice today. If your date tries to have sex with you, you hit him over the head with your Bible and to the top of your voice, as loud as you can scream, you say, Lord, help me. That'll cool him off. He'll skedaddle. He'll get out of your life. And you need to let him be gone. And find you somebody that's a gentleman. Somebody that's a Christian. Somebody that loves you and esteems you to be the greatest person on the face of the earth. Finally, it's not all about leaving and cleaving or clinging. It's about enduring. A beautiful life of enduring happiness. Wedding anniversaries are the harvest of a life of commitment and covenant love. Well, tomorrow will be, my wife and I, it'll be our 53rd wedding anniversary. 53rd. So we're a little ahead of you, Danny. <laughs> 53 years. Been a wonderful journey. I'm telling you, been a wonderful journey. I want you, in a moment, to repeat part of the wedding vows with me. In fact, we'll do it right now. I want everybody, those of you who are single, young men, you need to practice. The day will come. The day will come. Grandma and Grandpa, you need to remember. <laughs> All the married couples needs to be refreshed in your mind. I'm going to ask you a question. I want this whole congregation to say, I will. I'll phrase it a little differently than we would. This is a traditional uh, wedding ceremony. Wilt thou have this person to be thy wedded companion, to live together after God's ordinance in the holiest state of matrimony? Wilt thou love them, comfort them, honor and keep them in sickness and in health, and forsaking all others, keep thee only unto them so long as you both shall live? Amen. Will you promise God that? Will you promise Jesus you'll be faithful to him? Everybody say, I will. Amen. Amen. Now then, phrase by phrase, repeat after me. I take thee to be my wedded companion, to have and to hold from this day forward, for better, for worse. I don't like this next one. For richer, for poorer. I'm not confessing the next one. In sickness and in health. I think we've got to rephrase that part of it. We're not confessing poverty and we're not confessing sickness. <laughs> to love and to cherish. Till death do us part. According to God's holy ordinance. 
Amen. Give yourself a hand. You'll have to say that right up here one day, guys. Amen. Amen. Enduring. Enduring. Their threats and their dangers to the covenant of marriage. But it will endure. And on this family day, it's time for us to remember the covenant that we're under. It's an enduring covenant. It's not just for a little journey. It's not for a passing moment. It's to last for a lifetime. Jesus spoke this concerning Christ and the church. For this cause shall a man leave his father and mother and shall be joined unto his wife, and they too shall be one flesh. But this is a great mystery. I speak concerning Christ and the church. Oh, Jesus said that we must forsake everything to follow him in Luke 14, 33. So likewise, whosoever he be of you that forsaketh not all that he hath, he cannot be my disciple. The threefold cord is not quickly broken. Say that. It involves forsaking, clinging, and enduring. Today, our covenant with God is exactly the same kind of covenant that we've made to our companions in this life. I want us to resolve today. We're going to follow Jesus at all costs. Will you bow your heads? Is there anyone that will lift your hand and say, Pastor, I'm not saved. I need Jesus in my heart. Raise your hand quickly, anywhere. Anywhere in this congregation. Anywhere. Praise God. What I would like to do to close this service this morning and ask our singers to just go ahead and begin to lead us in worship, but I want you to stand, and if you can, get to your wife or husband, hold them by the hand, and let's make a commitment that today will be a renewal of our vows of faithfulness and our covenant of love. And I want to pray over this church, over the unmarried, over the single person, over the divorced persons, over the grandparents, over those who've never been a dad. Maybe they could never have children, but they're an important part of our society. Father, I want you to look down in this church today and those who have their hands clasped together, may there be a special bond greater than ever before. And may God's blessing and peace rest upon them. We pray for miracles and marriages for broken relationships to be healed. Lord, I just pray there'll be a turnaround. The miracle of God will take place on this Father's Day. Above everything else, we renew our vow to be faithful to you and to cling and forsake and cleave and endure all the days of our life. In the name of Jesus, amen and amen. You're dismissed. God bless you.